0: Well, listen, this morning we are continuing a series called Spirit Filled Family. And this week and next week, we're going to be talking about uh, wives and uh, next week, husbands. And so grab your Bibles if you would and let's go to Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter one today and then we'll get to chapter five. I want to lay some foundation for us. Ephesians chapter one. While you're turning there, let me just tell you some reality is happening in my life. Uh, I'm getting older. And uh, I'm starting to feel the effects of age in a number of ways, but one of the biggest ways is in the area of vision and eyesight. So I'm supposed to wear glasses now, but my favorite readers got broken, and so I've just been in complete denial. I know they're like six bucks, you know, at, you know, Walgreens, but I just can't go get them until this last week, and I realized, okay, I don't just need readers, I need the real thing. And so I'm going to be going in the next couple of weeks and probably getting eyeglasses, but uh, what happened was, was that I I'm, I'm, you know, have a hard time reading up close. And then the other day I was at a ball game and I was looking across uh, to the other side and I'm waving at someone that I know only to discover I actually don't know them. <laughs> Their face was so blurry, I got it all wrong. So now not only can I not see, I'm an idiot apparently. And, um, and so now I'm like, baby, I gotta break down. I gotta get some glasses. And so, but here's the problem. My, my eyesight is getting bad. So what's, what's happening is, is that images are crossing And it's creating um, a blur. And so what I need is corrective lenses that will be able to help me, you know, clear up what is blurry so that I can see more clearly. That's the whole point of of getting glasses is to take what is blurry and make it clear uh, through the lenses. So what I want to say to you is when we jump in this next couple of weeks, specifically talking about the the role of the wife and the role of the husband and the dynamics of that relationship, I want to remind you what what Paul is doing here in Ephesians is he is helping us put on spiritual corrective lenses, that because of sin, we have a poor vision um, in life, poor vision in a lot of areas. One of the ways that our poor vision shows up is in the way that we see our marriages, Wives, the way that you see yourself in the home and the way that husbands, you see yourself in the home. And what Paul is doing is he's helping us put on gospel lenses so that it can correct our poor spiritual eyesight. And so I I want you to understand what we're doing. There's Some of this is gonna be hard to hear today, hard to hear next week, but you gotta understand what's happening is is that, that the scriptures are wanting to bring clarity where because of sin, we have blurry spiritual vision. Because at the end of the day, what we need in our marriages is God's vision for our marriage. We need to see our marriages the way that God sees our marriages. Wives, you need to see your responsibilities and your relationship with your husband through the lens of how God sees that relationship. Husbands, you need to see your relationship with your wife through God's vision for what you're called to be and how you serve your family. So that's what we're doing. And I want to show you this in Ephesians 1. This is really the point of Ephesians Paul is showing us that what the gospel wants to do is to realign the heart of humanity with God's purposes and God's design. That sin has altered the way that we live. It has fractured our life. But through the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a realignment into God's, back, back to God's created order. So Ephesians chapter one, let me show you this uh, very quickly. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven Paul says this He says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to the purposes which He set forth in Christ. Now, He says a lot there, but but the idea here is this is that that we now have been redeemed by Christ, restored to a relationship with God so that we can now experience God's plan and God's will for our life that is found in Jesus Christ. And then the last verse, he says this, verse nine, don't miss this. He says, as a plan for the fullness of time, listen to this, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now eyes right here for a second. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, God's goal with the gospel is to not just forgive your sins, but to realign creation back to God's design and order, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So things on earth would mean everything that God created coming into realignment or restoration according to God's design. So what is broken, God is wanting to reconcile in Christ. Well, how many of you would agree that marriage in our culture is broken? And so the goal of the gospel is to take what is broken and reunite it together In Christ, So he does this through Ephesians. He talks about our relationship with God. Jews who have been separated from God because of their sin have now been brought into a relationship through the finished work of Christ. Gentiles who were uh, severed from the covenant relationship with God because of our sin in Christ have been united into relationship with God. But not only that, the broken relationship between Jews and Gentiles have been restored and reconciled to unity in Christ. And then now, The next relationship he's gonna talk about is the husband and wife relationship. And so what he wants us to understand is that what what he's gonna show us in Ephesians 5 is helping us rediscover and realign our lives back to God's created order. Say, what is that? Well, I'm gonna show you this. Keep your place in Ephesians. I want you to look up here on the screen at Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two is the creation account And in the creation narrative, we see very clearly God's order and design for the home. We also see in Genesis 3 how sin has interrupted that order and design and what is created of why we need the gospel to restore it. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So he's given uh, Adam this oversight over the garden or over creation. Look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you are surely to eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now pause here for a moment and and dial into what's being said here. God creates Adam. Eve has not been created yet. So he creates the first part of mankind by creating man. And he gives Adam as the first of the creation this responsibility to oversee creation. Go and work the ground, keep the ground, cultivate creation, help creation flourish. That's the idea. Take what I've done in the garden and make everything look like it. That's the whole command. But then he gives him a command of something he is to abstain from in order to keep right relationship with God. He says, now you can have of everything I've created except for one tree. That tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. This is how you walk in glad submission to me. Enjoy all of my creation, but obey my command so that our relationship can be in the right order. I am your God, you are my creation. Follow my commands and enjoy creation. That's the whole idea here. Now notice this, God creates man, before woman, and he gives Adam this responsibility first to oversee creation and to live in submission to his command not not to eat of the tree. Now, God is gonna recognize that what he's called Adam to do, Adam can't do alone. Verse 18 says this. He says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. That statement is still true today. Amen? It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper fit for him. Now, I want you to track what's happening here. God gives Adam a calling for humanity. So, Adam, being the first created, is representing mankind. Mankind has been given the, 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 the responsibility to give oversight to creation, to cultivate it so that creation can flourish. And God has given mankind the command to walk in glad submission to the Lord as we obey him and enjoy him and the creation. Say uh-huh if you understand what I'm saying. And then God observes this, and here's what he says. Adam can't do this alone. Adam is incapable of doing this alone. Even though I've given him this primary calling as a representative of mankind to oversee creation and to walk in submission, he can't do it alone. He needs a helper fit for him. In other words, watch this Adam alone could not do what God called mankind to do. So, what is God's solution? The story goes on to say that God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And from the rib of Adam, he actually fashions and creates Eve, brings her to Adam to be his wife who will now complete what is lacking in order for them together to accomplish what one of them alone could never. Does that make sense? So, so watch this. Even though, so you see an order here. God creates Adam to give leadership to the family. creates him first, gives him the commands first. But then he says, Adam, you are a representative of mankind and male or men alone cannot do what God has called mankind to do. So God's solution is to create a female, a wife, so that now as she enters into the relationship, by the way, she's called helper. Don't get caught up on that. I'm going to come back at the end of the sermon and explain that word. And it is powerful and transformative. But what he says is, basically, I'm gonna create someone who has everything that Adam is lacking, watch this, so that together they could accomplish what one of them could never accomplish on their own. So you have order, Adam is created first, giving first command, so he has responsibility to lead the way. But he can't do it alone, and so God provides what is lacking in his wife. Now watch this, here's what we have. You have order, God has created men, husbands specifically to lead and wives to come alongside bringing the gifting talent and leadership that they uniquely have in order for both of them to accomplish God's intended design for humanity which is what? Oversee creation and walk in glad submission to the Lord. So so look at this. The relationship between Adam and Eve in this moment is not Adam is here and Eve is here. Both are created in the image of God. Both are given the same purpose, but both are given the same responsibility. The difference in the relationship, one has the responsibility to lead because of what God gave him first. The other one has the responsibility to bring the gifts and talent and and abilities that God has given to provide what is lacking so that together. So the relationship isn't Adam and Eve, it's Adam and Eve. This is what we call a complementary relationship. It's where Adam has gifts and callings that Eve doesn't have. She has gifts and callings that Adam doesn't have. And when the two unite together, listen, humanity flourishes, creation flourishes, and we are able to accomplish what God called us to. Now, what's the problem in marriage today? The problem is what happens in Genesis 3, which is called the fall. Now, what happens in the fall? Remember this. Eve did not receive the command to abstain from the tree. Who did? Adam did. But who does the serpent go to when he goes to convince to eat of the fruit? He goes to Eve, the one who did not receive the first command. Why? Adam's responsibility as the leader was to lead his family into obedience. Satan is trying to usurp the order that God designed by going past the man to her, to the wife. He goes to the wife And she hears him and rather than Adam stepping in and leading and Eve following like this, Eve says, hey, have you thought about this? And watch this, the problem in the Garden of Eden wasn't just that Eve took of the fruit and ate of it, it was that Adam shirked his responsibility. The fall was the byproduct of Adam's unwillingness to lead his home in the way that God called him to. Men, I want you to hear me say this. Passive men lead to great failure. Passive men lead to great failure. And so what happens in this moment, Eve takes of the fruit and sins, Adam takes of the fruit and sins, but guess who is responsible for the sin throughout the rest of the scriptures? Adam is responsible, why? He was the one who received the direct command. The call was to lead, and she was going to, in submission, bring her gifts so together they could work in harmony, obeying the Lord, but because of an absence of leadership and Eve walking Independently of her husband, now sin enters the world and men are held responsible because men, watch this, are responsible. That's the order. Now, what is the fallout of this fracture that happens? A shift happens in the heart of Adam and the heart of Eve. Sinful flesh steps in and takes over. Look at the consequence in Genesis 3:16. Genesis 3.16, the consequences, he's speaking to Eve here, and this is what he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now, here's the shift. The relationship was supposed to be like this. Where they walk in harmony, she in her calling and role, he in his calling and role. But now, because of sin, a sinful heart has crept in. And now, what was meant to be unified, complementary, working, walking together, now has turned into this. Now, she no longer is just gonna assume her calling using her gifts to help the family flourish. She now wants his position, she wants to be the leader rather than falling in God's design for the leadership. He now, rather than leading out of love where his calling was for creation to flourish, now because of his strength and the way that God's created him, he is gonna now dominate and try to be domineering and lord over. So rather than, than this being what it looks like, a relationship united together in love, now she's trumping for the top and he's trumping for the top and that is why we have chaos In regards to marriage in our culture today, either he doesn't want to lead or he wants to dominate. And either she wants his position or she doesn't walk in her calling as the helper, which is to have a voice and speak into the marriage. So passivity sometimes can set in on both of these relationships. And this is why Paul says, but here's the good news. Jesus wants to reunite all things back to God's order through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I wanna do something. I wanna go to Ephesians now, chapter five, and we're gonna walk through this. Ephesians five, I want you to see this. So the question we need to ask is, what does it look like then for a wife, next week we'll talk about the husband, when through the work of the cross and the power of the Spirit, she's being reunited in Christ to understand her calling within the home. Here's what Paul says. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and shoot the elephant in the room. We don't like the word submit. We don't like the word submit in any area of life. Not just wives the husbands. We don't, look, our culture is in the chaos it's in because humanity doesn't like submission. But for anything, watch this, for anything to be healthy, it demands submission. But we don't like it. So let me just give you a couple of things. I wanna remind you of a couple of things. These are gonna be little bullet points. It's not the message. I'm just trying to help kind of drop your shoulder so you kind of put a biblical way of thinking on as we unpack what submission does mean. So let me remind you of a couple of things if this rises up inside of us. The first is this. I need to remind you that whatever God calls us to is for our good and his glory. How many believe that God is good? Raise your hand. okay. So if God himself, who is good, who wants good for us, calls us towards some behavior and we don't like it, listen, we've gotta remember, God doesn't call us to something to harm us, he calls us to something to bless us. So it's for our good and his glory. We gotta have that and be reminded of that. It doesn't matter if we fully understand it or like it, if God says it is for our good and his glory. Here's the second thing to remember. We're gonna be reminded that last week we said in verse 21 that submission is the lifestyle of a spirit-filled believer. Verse 21 ends by saying to all of the church, submit to one another in reverence for the Lord. And so the posture of the Christian life is a posture of submission. It's where I show deference to you, you show deference to me, you show deference to one another, and you're looking out for the needs of others, and you submit and you humble yourself. Listen, humility is one of the great character traits of a spirit-filled believer. Submission reveals the nature of Jesus. Jesus submitted to the Father. Jesus submitted to the cross. Jesus became a servant of us. So if you don't like the word submission, you have a really hard time in the Christian life, I I would bet, in many areas of your life, because that's one of the qualities of a spirit-filled believer. Here's number three. Marriage is meant to illustrate something longer lasting than marriage itself. This is something that, that Paul shows us in the text today, and it's something that we're gonna see very clearly. We're gonna dive into this very clearly next week in the text, that marriage exists for a greater purpose than just marriage itself. There's a greater thing that God is doing. What God is doing in marriage, thats what you're gonna find out in the passage this week and next week, is that God is giving a real-life illustration in marriage of what his relationship with the church should be and the church's relationship with him is to be. And I've just got news for you. Marriage is not an eternal relationship. It's to be a lifelong relationship. But there is coming a day where there will be no marriage. But guess what there will be? There will be Christ in his church. And so marriage is created to illustrate something that lasts longer than marriage. So let me just help you in the room this morning. Marriage is not about you. It's for you, can bless you, can encourage you and challenge you, but it's not about you. This is why Paul tells the wives, listen, submit to your husband, lovingly submit to your husbands. Have a submissive love in regards to your husband. Why? Because you play the role of the church in this illustration that marriage is. This is why he tells the husbands, love your wives with a sacrificial love, laying your life down for her every day. Why? Because you play the part of Jesus. And so as the wife plays her part and as the husband plays his part, the world gets an idea of what Jesus and his church is supposed to look like. It's beautiful. So let me dismantle a couple of things. I wanna dismantle some misconceptions about submission, and these are gonna be little, we call them little jabs. I'm not gonna be doing full haymakers on these. I'm just gonna give some jabs here, write these down, and, and some of this, you're gonna see what I'm about to say as I unpack the meat of the, of the message, but I want you to see this. What are some misconceptions? First is this, uh, submission, listen to this, it's not, to all, it's not all women to all men, but it's a wife to her husband. I wanna make sure it's very clear here. Paul is not saying that every woman submits to every man, but rather that a wife submits to her husband. So in the the growing up, for both men and women, it's to your father or your mother or spiritual leaders in your life, and then whenever you get married, there's this relationship where the husband's to be the spiritual leader, and so that submission is not to every man, but to your husband. Here's number two. It's not about value, it's about order. Both men and women are created in the imago Dei, the image of God. We both bear the, the likeness in the image of God. We have complete equality in our dignity and our value and our worth. Can I, can I hear an amen on that? Amen. And, and women and men should be treated with value, honor, respect, and dignity because we're created in the image of God. But it is about order. It is about structure. And, and watch this, where there is no order, what do you have? You have disorder, you have chaos. So when we see this, it's not about value, it's about order, here's number three. It's not about competency, it's about calling. So it's not about a woman's ability to lead within the home, if you ask my kids, my wife is in many ways a far greater leader in our home than I am. But she recognizes I have a calling to lead and therefore she walks in submission and follows. That leadership will impact that in a minute. It's not competency. If my kids had to choose today which which parent goes home to be with Jesus earlier, they would say, Lord, please take my dad. (laughs) At least until we get out of the house because we are not gonna make it if we're left with him. It's not about competency, it's about calling. And then lastly, listen to this, it's not forced but voluntary. It's not forced. It's voluntary. Biblical submission can be forced. It's, it's voluntary. So, so so husbands in the room, hear me say this. When you beat your chest and you say, I'm the man of the house, first of all, that means you're not. You gotta remind someone you're in charge, you ain't in charge. And so if you have this whole, I'm the man of the house, I'm gonna lead the house, you're gonna do what I say. She might Fall in line and do what you say, but that doesn't make it biblical submission. It means that you're a bully and you're abusing your position in her life. It's voluntary. The word submission in verse 21 simply means to voluntarily rank yourself below another. It's what Jesus did and it does in regards to the Father. It's what Jesus did when he came in the incarnation in regards to us. He humbled himself and he served us. So there was this this sense of voluntarily taking the lower position for the betterment of someone else. So the question then is, what is biblical submission? What is biblical submission? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you a definition that I'll unpack. This definition comes from primarily this text and I think it'll help us. So what is biblical submission? Write this down and we're gonna walk through this over and over again throughout the entire time together. Biblical submission is the work of the Holy Spirit empowering a wife to submit to Christ by lovingly following, respecting, and supporting her husband, restoring God's created order. It's the work of the Holy Spirit empowering a wife to submit to Christ by lovingly following, respecting, and supporting her husband, restoring God's created order. Let's go line by line. First of all, I want you to see this biblical submission is the work of the Holy Spirit. So this call, wives, submit to your husbands, follows the command that we studied last week. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That imperative, that command drives everything else Paul is going to call us to. So what he's saying is this, is that wives, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are going to submit to your husband. Because biblical submission is an outworking of the Holy Spirit in your life. So whenever you find yourself going, no, I'm not submitting, I'm not gonna follow, I'm gonna be domineering in the relationship and I'm not gonna live in submission to any man, much less my husband, I'm not gonna do that. Understand, you're not walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit because this is what the Holy Spirit produces, a submissive heart to fall in line with what God's created order is. And listen, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to live the life God created you for. He is the, he is the fuel that enables us to do what God's called us to do. Because by the way, our flesh wars against this, right? When, when, the, when the scripture says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, laid himself down. You know, I struggle with that. Why? I'm a self-centered man who have wants and desires and I have a, a tendency to put myself first. How do I overcome the flesh? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. So wives, understand that this whole idea of, of, of falling in, in God's created order is a work that the Holy Spirit has to do in your life. Here's this, the second phrase I want us to see. The Holy Spirit empowers a wife to submit to Christ. He empowers a wife to submit to Christ. So this is what Paul says in Ephesians. He says this, he says, uh, wives, uh, submit to your own husbands, how? As to the who? As to the Lord. So, So in other words, wives, your first calling is to submit to the Lord. Your second calling is to submit to your husband. The first has to be first. This is what the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? He empowers us to submit to God's plan for our life. When we're submitted to God's plan for our life, what we're acknowledging is, Christ, you are Lord over me. I'm submitting to your will and your ways so that in the marriage relationship, here's what we say. Lord, because I'm submitted to you and your will and your way, I recognize that you have an order for the family and because you have an order for the family and you are my Lord, I'm gonna submit to that order, which means God God, you have placed my husband in my life to lead our family, so in submission to you, Jesus, I'm gonna submit to him. Your submission is to the Lord, then to your husband. Why is this important? It's important because there are gonna be moments where your husband doesn't lead real well. He's not gonna get it right. I know in my marriage, I get it wrong a lot. And I'm striving to be a good godly husband and I don't get it right. And there are times where I know in my, wa- my wife's heart and flesh, she's like, man, he, he's, he's kind of being a jerk today and he's not, I don't know that I wanna follow that. On those days, watch this, it's easy to follow your husband when he looks like Jesus. But what about the days that he doesn't? You look past your husband and you see the one standing behind him. Who rules over him. And you say to yourself, I I don't know that I want to submit to him, but I am because I'm submitted to him. So on the days when I don't want to lead well, my wife sometimes has to look past me because I don't look like Jesus. And she's got to love me and follow me because she loves and follows Jesus. Now, eyes right here. This is important. Because Jesus is ultimately your Lord and who you're submitted to, wives, you do not have to follow your husband into sin. You don't have to follow a husband into abuse. If your husband is trying to lead you into ungodliness because ultimately you're submitted to Christ, the answer is no. If he's trying to lead you into immorality, or sinful behavior that's outside the bounds of, of who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ, the answer is, I'm not following you there. Why? Because my allegiance is to Jesus, and you do this humbly, graciously, if you have an unbelieving husband and who's pushing the boundaries, First Peter says, you win him over by quiet spirit and meek, humble, you exemplify Christ, and, and he'll work in his heart, but you do not have to submit to ungodliness because your allegiance is to who is to Jesus. If you have a husband that's abusive, get out, get help. Our church has been a safe place for many women to come and find ways to help a marriage that's been abusive. And so because your allegiance is to Christ, you, you wanna make sure that you're not losing the dignity that's yours in Christ. So you can get out, you can get help because your allegiance is first of all to Jesus, amen? But this is the call, to submit to the Lord, wives, so that in that submission to the Lord, you follow and submit to your husband. Here's the next phrase. How do we do this? What does Christ produce when we we submit to him? By lovingly, that's huge, lovingly following, respecting, and supporting her husband. This is how a wife submits. By following, because she's full of the Holy Spirit, because Christ is her Lord, she follows him, She respects him and she supports him. Let me unpack all three of those. First of all, the calling is to follow. It's to follow the leadership. Listen, a two-headed monster is a freak, right? And so if you have two people trying to lead the family, it's great as long as you're in agreement, but what happens when we're not in sync with one another? Then someone has to lead, someone has to Follow. And what God is calling the wife to in this relationship is to lovingly follow the lead of your husband. Why? You're recognizing the position that God has placed within your home. What does following look like? Following means you let him lead. Let me illustrate it like this. There's, um, on Sunday mornings, there's some things that happen that you don't even know about. Like there, there are sounds that are happening even right now that you have no idea what's going on. So like backstage, uh, if you were to get, or one of our video rooms, you're gonna hear someone on a microphone talking to the cameraman and they're like, camera one right now, there's middle shot and There's this switcher, they're talking the whole time. You can hear it backstage, you can hear it in one of our media rooms. There's voices going on helping behind the scene, helping things flow and function from our production team. Something else is happening during worship that you may or may not be aware of. Every, every member on the team up here, playing an in instruments or singing, they have uh, what's called inner monitors. They have these monitors that are in their ear. And what they hear in that monitor is the, the music that's being made. They hear the vocals. They hear the instruments. They hear um, direction. They, everything that's supposed to happen, they're hearing how they're playing. They're hearing how everyone else is playing. They're hearing uh, the harmony. They're hearing all of the mix. But there's something else that's going on that's helping keep things on, on beat and on rhythm. There's what they call a click, and the click is how they keep time or how they keep pace in their song. Let me show you what I mean. This is what our band hears during worship. You hear it? So in their ears, with their music, with the singing, this click is happening. And that's telling them the rhythm of the music. They're keeping beat and time in order for them all to stay together. Multiple instruments, multiple voices, hearing the same music, but it's pivotal that everyone keeps in sync with the click because if one person gets out of sync with the click, now what is beautiful becomes awful. this is what they hear. But there's something else happening on stage. Over here, this microphone is, is different places on Sundays. This is actually not a singing microphone. Today Austin is on it, typically Jack's one of our staff members has it set up over here. This microphone also goes into the ears of every musician, every vocalist on our stage. And what he is doing, this is called the MD. The MD is listening to the click. Every musician, every singer, they're listening to the click. And their responsibility is to stay in line, in rhythm with the click. And when they get off, the MD's responsibility is this. They're not only listening to the click, they're listening to every instrument, every voice simultaneously. And they're leaning in, and they're listening to the click, and they're listening to the music, and they're listening to the the instruments. And whenever someone gets off click, he gently and kindly whispers into the microphone, hey, slow it down here. Speed it up here. Hey, this verse, we're about to build in this moment. And the band follows and the musicians follow. And the whole time, watch this, the click has gotta be heard by the vocalists and the musicians. And the MD then is the one who's kind of directing the way. And what's interesting about this is that oftentimes on any given Sunday, there might be people Playing certain instruments and musically, they're the most talented person on stage. Very gifted. But you know what their responsibility is? Listen to the click and follow the MD. And to the best of their ability, they're gonna stay on click and they're gonna listen to the voice of the MD. Now, eyes right here for a second. What does it mean for a wife to follow her husband? I want you to listen to this the Holy Spirit is the click. The Holy Spirit is the click, and all the believing people in the family are supposed to be listening for the click, keeping in step with the click, keeping rhythm with the click, following the click, and doing our part to stay with the click. The wife listens to the click. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. She's obeying God's word into the best of her ability. She wants to follow what the Lord has for her, but the husband's responsibility is not just to listen to the click. He is to be the MD who's listening to the click and he's observing his family and he's seeing where they're off and where they're on and his responsibility is not just for himself to stay on the click, it is to see that his entire family stays on the click and so what happens in the marriage relationship is that as the husband assumes his spiritual responsibility that we're going to look at next week and he begins to lead the way, all of a the sudden the, the wife is able to not just hear the click but she also is able to hear the leadership of her husband saying we got to speed it up, we got to slow it down, we got to make some changes. We got to make some decisions. And now all of a sudden she's able to play her part in a greater way because she's not just listening to the click. She's listening to the MD. Now you say, what happens if the MD gets it wrong? The responsibility of the instrumentalist and the vocalist are to keep in line with the click, even if the MD is off. This is why it's pivotal for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are times where the musicians will turn to the MD and they'll kind of look and go, you're off. (laughs) And the drummer will get a little more aggressive trying to get everybody back on. So it, it means that in that following, there are times as a wife when you hear the click and the MD, your husband is off, you look at him and go, I don't think you're hearing the music right. We follow, next is we respect. What does it mean to submit to your husband? It means you respect him. Now, I'm not gonna spend tons of time here, but ladies, I wanna just say your words matter. And the things that you say to your husband and about your husband affects him. The way in which you speak to your husband and the way in which you speak about your husband to other people, it affects your husband. And, and, and wives, I'm gonna let you in a little secret that most men won't. And then many of these men, uh, they, they won't even admit it today even though I'm saying it out loud for them. But wives, you have no idea at times the the way that men feel. That many men on many days, they feel defeated, they feel like a failure. They feel like there's always more that could be done and they can't do it. They feel like there's far more expected of them that they could never live up to. Many husbands at times will drive home feeling sad, trying to put the face on before they come in so that no one worries about how they really feel. But the truth is, many men, especially in our culture today, they feel undervalued, they feel defeated, they feel like they're not enough, and they feel like no one really cares about what's going on inside of their heart. And that's the reality. And wives, you have a responsibility to to love your husband and encourage your husband with your words. You don't have a clue how life-giving it would be to the leadership of your husband if you just looked at him every now and then and just say, Listen, I haven't told you lately, but I want to say thank you for the way you lead. You say, What if he doesn't lead well? Find something. By the way, great leadership principle for anyone in the room, what gets celebrated gets repeated. Most of the time, wives, if I'm honest, many of you in the room, you only talk about the leadership of your husband when he's not doing it right. The way that you speak to him, to your friends. The Proverbs 31 woman, it says this, is that she speaks well of her husband and he is respected at the city gate. What does that mean? It's the center of of community life. In other words, because of the way that she represents him, when people think of him, they think well of him. Ladies, how does your closest friend see your husband? By the way that you speak about him? Do you build him up or do you tear him down? Do you encourage him? And by the way, look, if every now and then you would just say, hey, look, the way you handled that with the kids the other day, I just want you to know how much that means to me. Like the way you handled that situation, that brought so much comfort and encouragement to me. Thank you for being the leader that you are. And authentically mean it. Listen, it will add fuel to their leadership fire. Respect your husbands. Here's the last one about supporting them. Supporting your husband. I want you to think about this as undergirding, undergirding your husband. So going back to the Hebrew word, helper. Genesis 2.18. The first word ever used to describe a woman is helper. And and for many women, it's like, that's completely offensive. And I want to dismantle that for you right now. The word helper, in that particular context and that particular word in the Hebrew language, listen to this, the word helper literally means one who strengthens and provides what is lacking." one who comes to the rescue, one who comes to the aid. In other words, here's what happens, is that God says, listen, I'm going to provide someone who can strengthen what is lacking, who can provide what is missing, who could come to the aid, because together you can accomplish what God has called you to, but you need her and the strengths and the gifts that she has, and without it, you can't accomplish it. In fact, this word in the Hebrew language to mean helper is most often in the Old Testament a word used to describe God and his relationship with Israel for people who think that's a demeaning word calling me helper you think it demeans God when the scriptures say and he came and he helped his people Israel what it means is he came and delivered them he was their strength he was their power he was the one that came through for them no no, no. it's not a word that diminishes it's a word that elevates And so wives, listen, you have a calling to come alongside your husband, to speak into his life, to use your gifts and ability to strengthen the family. That's how you support. This doesn't mean you usurp his authority. It means that you come alongside and love him enough to speak into the family decisions. And you do so in a humble Christ-like way that follows his leadership and strengthens him so that he can lead more effectively. See, what does that look like? My wife is one of the... Best of this, and and I'm not saying that our marriage is perfect because I'm in the marriage. It's not perfect. My wife is literally one of the people that I look to the most when I think about this. My wife has so many gifts, and she is a very, very strong, capable female. I'm so thankful my daughters have a mother like her to look to. She's strong. She's gifted. Talented walks in her calling with with confidence. But she lets me lead and she follows and she submits. But she doesn't do so passively. She does so actively. She supports me. So there are times when I'm handling a situation and to be honest, I am not gifted enough with, with, with enough understanding or wisdom, maybe in the way that I'm dealing with my kids because as fathers, we're limited in our perspective and I need the helper, the strength, the one who provides what is lacking and there are times when my wife will pull me aside and very confidently and gently say, hey, listen, we need to talk because the way you're handling this situation right now, I love you and I know your intention is good but I don't think the family is seeing it right now. And I know you wanna honor the Lord in this and I know you're trying to do the right thing but, but sweetheart, I think you're missing it and here's something I want, I want you to hear and she speaks into that. There are times when she'll pull me aside and say, listen, you need to go spend time with Jesus because your behavior right now, it is not what God wants for our family and what we need from you. We need you to walk with the Lord and when you're acting like this and leading like this, it doesn't help the family and I know that's not your intention. I know it's not your desire and she's just direct and she'll speak into that. She does so humbly and not an attacking way and what that does for me as a husband and by the way, husbands, if you are so arrogant and prideful that you can't receive that, then you're a poor leader. Any good leader of any organization are gonna, is gonna value the voice of people who know something you don't. If you're the smartest man in every room you walk into, you're not a very smart man and you need to get some better rooms but wives you can you can listen to this biblical submission doesn't mean you lose your voice women it just means that your voice is framed in God's design doesn't mean you're a doormat for your husband It means that you walk in the confidence of who you are and what God's called you to be. And there are times when I need my wife to lovingly, humbly look me in the face and say, Todd, I love you, but you're wrong. I will follow you, but you're not leading well right now. And when she says that, if I'm humble and full of the Holy Spirit and listen, can I tell you, she's never been wrong? That's what's crazy. She's never been wrong. She's capable of being wrong. She hasn't been, all right? So what does this do when a wife does this? Listen to this. She restores God's created order. She's a part of restoring God's created order. First of all, in her life, what is God's calling for her? To be the helper, suitable, fit, bringing talents, gifts, abilities, calling into the relationship where then she together follows my leadership that's God's design for her so it not only when the holy spirit does this work it's restoring god's created order in her but watch this it's restoring god's created order in me this is why listen to this submission doesn't mean passive doesn't mean passivity because whenever my wife has those conversations with me and she empowers me by saying baby you're better than this you're a better leader than this you know what she's doing She's helping restore God's created order in my life. So wives, when you challenge your husband spiritually and you pray for him and you encourage him and you at times lovingly, humbly rebuke him, you do so motivated by the Holy Spirit, you are being used by God to restore God's image into your home and into his life. So here's the closing for today. I'm gonna pray over you and then we're gonna have some announcements and get out of here. I'm gonna encourage you to take this definition that I've given you. This is for wives. Where are you failing in this? With this definition, are the areas of struggle in your life personally? Identify those. And then I want you to do this. I I would love for husbands and wives this week to have a conversation. Again, you you can choose to strengthen your marriage or you can choose to ignore me right now. Put you on the spot, didn't I? Have this conversation. I want you to ask, wives, ask your husband, where do you see me succeeding in this area? Where do you see me struggling? And then have the humility to listen. Husbands, be gentle because you're next. And then husbands, I I want you to take some time and a, firm the areas where you're seeing growth. And then husbands, I want you to do this. Pray this for your wife. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Say, I always wish my wife was more like, then pray for her. And next week, come back and learn what it means to be the man God's called you to be. You know what I've found? I've never found a woman who loves Jesus, who wouldn't follow the man that we're gonna talk about next week. And let's just see what God does in the marriages at New Beginnings Baptist Church, amen? Father, I love you. Thank you for your word. Help us to become like this in every way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, you guys give your attention.